Test, test, test. Hello, hello. Yeah, I think I think we're live. Smooth this. All right, sweet. Okay, cool. So we can go. We can go right into it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Cool. Hello and welcome back to Music Talks, discussions on music education, a podcast written by future music educators for future music educators. This project is an extension of the Florida National Association for Music Education Collegiate Advocacy Committee. I'm David Ramos. Joining me are collegiate members Megan Wright and Sawyer Parrott. Each episode, we discuss various issues tackled in music classrooms across the nation and highlight how we as collegiates can approach them in our future classrooms. Our guest speakers for this episode include Dr. Alice Ann Darrow from Florida State University and Mr. Lee Commander from Leon High School in Tallahassee, Florida. This episode's topic, special music education, what it is, who it's for, and what it can look like in our schools. Last episode, we discussed advocacy in music education and spoke with Gene Reynolds and Lynn Tuttle. Since then, we've received a lot of great feedback and are excited to be releasing more episodes each month. So with that, let's get started. share a definition of what special education is in general. Yeah, I can. Um, Special education can be viewed as an inclusive educational services model that is based on the requirements of federal legislation titled the Individuals with Disabilities Education Improvement Act 2004. It provides students with identified disabilities specialized instruction designed to meet their unique learning needs giving them the opportunity to develop to their fullest potential. Uh, it seems like there's one big issue in special education that we are getting into a little bit into this episode, and it's that oftentimes students with disabilities end up getting left behind in uh, extracurriculars or through interacting with their other peers. It seems to me, like, at least when I was in high school that it, there was the general population that I interacted with daily, but then there was also our special needs students in their ESE classes that I never got to interact with very rarely, if ever at all. And I think as music educators, we're, we have this position and this opportunity to help get those students involved with the general public, to help mainstream their education a little bit. Um, by saying, hey, here's, here's an issue um, where these students aren't interacting with the rest of their peers, and I think music education can be a solution to that problem. I want them in my music classroom so they can interact with the rest of the population. Mm-hmm. So you're talking about inclusion right now? Yeah, so use music ed as a way to include our students with disabilities with everybody else, because they deserve a well-rounded, fully realized education. Going back to that definition of what is special education, it talks about their unique learning needs, and I think that's something we've gotten a lot better at over the years, is knowing that every student, just like someone that's maybe not qualified as a differently abled learner, is we all have unique learning needs, and some of these students just need 
a little bit extra you know those accommodations and modifications and being able to work with those students individually and knowing what their needs are and how they're going to learn best whether that's in their own separate learning environment or whether that's integrated into a more traditional band orchestra chorus guitar keyboard kind of setting is how we bring music to those students and making sure that we know what they need uniquely as people and making sure that we do what we need to so that they have music and that they aren't denied that experience. Okay, so full disclosure. When it comes to music and special education, Sawyer, Megan, and I really aren't what you would consider experts. We haven't even taken a class on the topic yet. It was even difficult for us to think of times when we observed it while we were in high school. Did you see uh, any examples of that in your high school, of your music teachers or even your general education teachers, uh, including those students with disabilities? Unfortunately, other than a couple handfuls of students, not really. There was no specific classroom music class for um, our uh, special needs students to engage in either on their own or with us. There wasn't that many uh, students in the ESE program that integrated into my band class. All of this to say, this was a tough episode to make. But even though we didn't know much about special education before starting this episode, we knew how important of a topic it was. So we decided to talk with actual experts in the field to find out more. What exactly is special education? What does it look like? What is it defined as? I actually wrote an entire article for Florida Music Director about dropping the word special mm -hmm. because it has such different connotations, mm -hmm. both positive and both negative. So speaking now is Dr. Alice Ann Darrow, the Irvin Cooper Professor of Music Therapy and Music Education at Florida State University. The name of our book, having said that, the name of a textbook I co-authored was Music and Special Education. So there is some validity for using that term. And I think of it, there may be different, different definitions, but I think of it as access and equity for students with disabilities in music education. How do we provide that to them? So it's not just enough to allow them access to music classes, but there needs to be parity and um, equity. They need to be in the same kinds of classes that all students are in. Not necessarily an adapted music class, although for some students that might be best but if there's band, there's orchestra, there's choir, is there a place for students with disabilities? And with technology as it is today, there's almost no reason why all students can't participate in some way in a music class that other students without disabilities participate in. One of the questions we were curious about when making this episode is what can special education look like in the music classroom? What we found is that there are so many ways in which you can include your differently abled students in music. 
So I think you might have seen a video that's been viral where a young man with autism is playing on a snare drum with a muted pad. And he looks, the optics of it are, that he looks like anybody else in the percussion section. And he certainly is in time, he's in rhythm, and whatever he's playing, because it's not audible on the video, is not obtrusive, it's not in any way offensive to what the rest of the band is doing. And I, it seems to me, at least from reading the background on it, that they're pretty much letting him go freeform. You know, he's improvising. But what an addition to the band, because he has so much spirit on the field, and everyone in the stands can see that. So it's putting someone with, perhaps, I'm not sure, limited abilities, but in a way making music with other students in such a positive way that it, he's actually contributing I don't know exactly how much musically, but certainly in team spirit and band spirit and the other students are exhibiting the kind of behaviors I want to see all students uh, exhibiting as far as acceptance. I had a similar experience with um, my high school choir ensemble. We had a student that, um, that was in our ESC class, but he wanted to be in band, so of course we allowed him and we, he was in front ensemble because marching wasn't something that he was really able to do as effectively. Um, and he, he played on what we consider, you know, the rack, like auxiliary percussion. So, you know, you know, bass drum, like the concert bass drum and cymbal rolls, nothing terribly complicated, but he was the most passionate student we had in front of ensemble that year. He just cared so much and it meant so much to him that he was able to be included in something that wouldn't be a typical experience for him. And as music educators, it's never going to be simple to, you know, do what we have to do to make sure that those students have the proper um, opportunities. But just remembering that we're doing it because everyone, all people should have that experience in music. And yeah, it might be difficult and it's not always going to be easy and you're going to hit roadblocks, but it's worth it. Check, check, one, two, check, one, two, check. Come on, go ahead. Sure, what else are you going to say? Are you just looking to see if the thing goes up and down? Just seeing if the thing goes up and cool. down. Cool. <laughs> for you, maybe a little louder, I guess. <laughs> okay, I can be a little closer, too. If that's okay, so cool. for this episode, we wanted to find a real-world example of what special music education can look like. And fortunately, we knew of a great program here in Tallahassee, Florida, run by our next guest. Could you just provide your name as well as your position here at uh, Leon High School? Sure, my name's Lee Commander, um, and I'm the director of bands uh, at Leon High School, and I also teach special needs music. So what we're talking about now is the uh, Lions United Band, part of the Lions United program. Do you mind talking about a bit about both? Sure, so Leon has uh, self-contained classroom students who spend the majority of their day in one room, um, and then they have a program called Lions United where students uh, from other classes may come in and serve as TAs or sort of help with um, monitoring students and helping them and the other assets. And so then some of those students come to me one period a day for music class, so we call it Lions United Band or Lions United Music. 
Do you mind describing the population of the students in your classroom? Oh, man. We have a little bit of everything. So we have some students with autism or ASD. We have some students that are EBD. We have some students who are in VE, which is varying exceptionalities, as well as students who are in CBI or community-based instruction. So those are going to be type of students who would receive what was formerly known as a special diploma. Now it's called an access diploma. So they'll be receiving some of those things. So we have a little bit of everything from nonverbal, I have a wheelchair-bound student, um, to some students who are very, uh, for the group, high-functioning that are able to do a lot more syncopated tasks or um, tracking, will be more communicative. Um, but I mean, if you name it, I got it. So what would you say was uh, the initial inspiration behind this group? Because you did form this group yourself. Right? I did. Um, originally, the, 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 I was just frustrated that they didn't have a music class at our school. Um, Leon's a pretty cool school. We have full orchestra, full band, full chorus, full guitar, full steel drum, um, full drama, full keyboard. We have all these music course offerings, but we didn't. We were missing a population of students. So I really thought it was necessary to create a space for those students where they could be successful and where they could be, um, where they felt like they were the superstars. So we designed a class around them to fit their needs and their expectations and what they're capable of doing. So special music ed can be just figuring out ways for students to participate in band in the same way that all students participate, or providing accommodations or modifications. Accommodation is when we might blow up music so that a child with low vision can see the music. Ultimately, they're doing what everyone else is doing, but we do have to accommodate them in some way, like blowing up the music so that it's enlarged. Um, or for a child with hearing loss, putting them in a seating position that's near the director so they can hear. But once they can hear, they're doing what anyone else is doing. Not all students can do that. Sometimes they have to have the instrument modified in some way. They have to have the music modified in some way. Maybe they're allowed to write in sharps and flats, or they're allowed to write letter labels, or color-coded notation. And, or one student who had cerebral palsy when the music got fast and he couldn't matriculate the 16th notes, he just played on the downbeat. So the music was adapted in some way. So for some students, we are going to have to modify. It's not just simply an accommodation. And whatever it takes to allow them to participate fully and to the same extent all students participate is what I think music, special music education is. We talked with Dr. Darrow a lot on this topic because there are so many aspects to think of that surround special music education, from understanding the importance of person-first language. So my preference is not to use labels at all if you don't have to. To what strategies teachers should consider when helping students with special needs reach their educational goals while also maintaining their classroom? I try and think of it in terms of universal design for learning and applying multiple approaches and then also differentiated instruction where everyone doesn't have to be doing the same thing. I'm basically appealing to their interests and what their needs are. There is a lot that goes into special education 
and sometimes it can seem pretty overwhelming, especially for us studying to become teachers one day. We may very well have to figure out how to integrate students with special needs, which actually brought up a question we had for our guests. Should college students seek additional training when it comes to special music education? I will tell you, when I taught school, I team taught with someone who had no experience with students with disabilities. He was just a great teacher. He knew how to intuitively how to adapt instruction, how to use multi-sensory instruction, how to differentiate instruction. Um, there was always an ostinato card for a student who that was as much as they could handle. Not everyone has that gift. I, his name was Charles Buckwalter, and uh, he just had that gift. I had a background in music therapy and music ed. I had a dual degree program. So I did music therapy and music ed. So I had a lot of experience, but I always told him, I said, you intuitively know what to do because you're a compassionate person and you're just a darn good teacher. So, I, you know, I, I'm not gonna sit, I, I'm not gonna take, tell people who are in the program, no, you don't really need this, just be a good teacher. Because I do think there's a lot you can learn from understanding disabilities and having an experience with students who have disabilities so you understand what the struggles might be for them. Um, sometimes it's personal, sometimes it's academic, sometimes it's musical. Uh, so anytime you have additional tricks in your bag or strategies or adapted instruction, you know ways to adapt instruction. It's helpful. And if you can do a practicum where you see a positive role model, and that's for all of us when we go through internship, we're always better teachers having in, having intern experience of such a great teacher. So I would say if someone is willing and wants to do it, and they're willing to take the time to take some additional classes, I think they'll be successful. Um, so. I think there's much you can learn from a certificate program or a degree program. Do I think it's absolutely positively necessary? No, but you better be a darn good gifted teacher to begin with. Mm -hmm. And you know, all of us are, do better with some kind of help along the way. What advice do you have for college students who don't necessarily have a certificate or a program that they can get invested in, but they want to learn more about uh, how to incorporate their differently abled students. Well, we actually have two videos online, and I would say just sort of watch either of those two concerts and model and mimic and do whatever you can do. Um, I tried to think about whatever was possible or workable. I started with my elementary instruction when I took elementary in college and sort of started from there. <clears throat> and I think a lot of the concepts you do in elementary work the same way errorless discrimination or um, the way that we structure the instruction with rote teaching and then respond back, my turn, your turn. We just have to find music that's relevant to these students. Most of the students are 18, 19, 20 years old. They don't want to do row or row your boat, but they will do um, <clears throat> Old Town Road. You just got to find a way to make it exciting for them where they want to play it. The videos Mr. Commander mentioned are on YouTube. Just search Lions United Band to find their 2017 and 2018 concerts.
For additional reading on special music education, check out the textbook, Music in Special Education, co-authored by Dr. Alice Andero and Dr. Mary Adamek. Hey, thanks for listening to Music Talks, discussions on music education. This is our second episode for the podcast, published a little later than we had originally intended, but we hope you liked it nonetheless. If you did, make sure to like and follow us on flcnathme.podbean.com, or check us out on iTunes on Apple Podcasts. If you have any ideas for future topics that you would like to hear us talk about, make sure to send those to dr15w at my.fsu.edu. This episode, you heard from Advocacy Committee members Megan Wright and Sawyer Perry. Special thanks to our guest speakers, Dr. Alice Andero and Mr. Lee Commander. Original music by Jose Hernandez. Until next time, I'm David Ramos. Thanks for listening to Music Talks. <laughs>